We're going to go to the book of uh, 2 Corinthians tonight, chapter number 12. Excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. I thought about having Brother Bronner sing a third song with the choir, but I was afraid he'd pass out. The choir's sounding good, ain't they? Man, boy, I enjoy it. I enjoy it. Second Corinthians chapter number 12. Uh, look down to verse number 7. Verse 7. We'll begin our reading there. Just read a few verses. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Um, I want to, hopefully I'm going to try to preach to you tonight, and I entitled the message, What's Up With That? What's up with that? Let's, let's pray, let's pray, we need to pray. Heavenly Father, one last time before we do get into this message, we come to you because there's no other place that we can get what we need at this very moment except from you. And so, Lord, we yield ourselves the very best we know how. We plead the blood of Christ, Lord, that we might be fit for your use. We ask for your power, Lord, just need a great portion of power that we might be able to preach clarity of thought and clarity of speech. I've had a hard time with that today. And so, Lord, I pray for your help there. I pray, Lord, that you'd open our hearts. I pray that you'd bind the devils, Lord, that you would would open our hearts and open our ears, our minds to what you have for us tonight. Lord, we just want to learn to trust you more. We, 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 We just want to draw closer to you. And so help us tonight, Lord, with the preaching of your word. Thank you for all that's taking place. Bless now the rest of this service, we ask, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing. Please do be seated. Have you ever had a time in your life when you just ask yourself, why is this happening to me? Why is this going on? I mean, I mean, What's up with that? I really believe that everybody listening to my voice tonight can relate to what I'm saying. Because along the way somewhere, all of us have had something go wrong in our life. We may not fully understand all of that. Um, 
when it seems like everything is well in our life and going okay, something comes along, just almost blows us out of the water. You know, sometimes even when things seem to be going just the way that they should be going, we get blindsided all of a sudden um, by something, whatever it might be. Why does that happen? Why does that go on? Preacher, you tell us all the time that God really loves us. He does. He really loves us, without a doubt. And God is good all the time, truly, all the time. And God is faithful. He takes care of us, no matter what might come along. But if you've ever been in that situation before, you know that sometimes when those things happen, it's like, man, oh man, why is this happening? I'm trying my best. I'm reading my Bible, I'm praying, I'm going to church, I'm giving to, to, the, to, the, to the church, to, to offerings, giving to God, doing everything I'm supposed to do. Why is this happening to me? Well, I want to assure you tonight that it's not always a personal assault on you. A lot of the time, uh, it's a personal assignment from God. God's trying to do something in our life. Um, I've, I, I, I've said it many, many a time. You've heard me say it. I'm, I'm kind of a hard head, just a tad. I'm glad that Miss Pam ain't here. She'd be testifying. I'm kind of a hard head. And uh, a lot of the things that God has taught me in my life, I've learned the hard way. Sad to say, it doesn't have to be that way. If we listen to him go his way, it doesn't have to be that way. But many times in my own life, it has been that way. And he's hit me upside of the head at different times, and I didn't fully understand. But when he brought me through it, when I got to the other side of it, it made complete sense, perfect sense. And with that being said, I, I can say I'm very, very thankful that God never gives up on us and that he continues to work. He's trying to get us where he wants us to be, but sometimes it's a little bit harder with some people than it is other people. Um, many times God's just trying to get our attention. And I can guarantee you this, he has a very definite reason. And if we'll just accept it as that, we'll come out the better for it. I mean, we'll, we'll come out wiser, and we'll come out with some experience. Uh, I, I mean, much of the time we blame our misfortune on the devil, and, and it may not be him at all. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's just God's way of communicating with us. Sometimes we don't listen, and so he has to get a little louder do things to get our attention. Uh, sometimes thing hap things happen just to rid us of our pride, truly. Verse number 7 again says, uh, uh, unless, I should, unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. The apostle Paul was used greatly by God, wasn't he? And man, God, I mean, God, God definitely gave him some revelations. And I mean wrote most of the books in the New Testament, and God was using him in a great way. And even then, he saw, he saw, he said, he said, man, lest I be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. Paul is saying that to keep him from exalting himself above what he should, God had given him this thorn in the flesh. Uh, something to help him to get rid of the pride that was in his life. God hates pride. It's on the top of his hate list. He, 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 he hates pride. And God has a whole lot to say about it. In Noah Webster's 1828 dictionary, 
Uh, the definition of pride is this, inordinate self-esteem, an unreasonable conceit of one's own superiority in talents, beauty, wealth, accomplishments, rank, or elevation in office, which manifests itself in lofty airs, distant, reserved, and often in contempt of others. Benjamin Franklin said, pride that dines on vanity sups on contempt. I like that quote. Someone else said, all pride is abject and mean. So the Apostle Paul's teaching us that if God had not diffused him of his pride, then he would have been exalted above measure by him, by his own uh, self there in verse number seven. Um, the Bible talks about results of pride. Uh, pride can bring shame. Proverbs eleven two says, when pride cometh, then cometh shame, but with a lowly is wisdom. Isn't it something when we get to exalting ourselves above measure and think we know it all? Before long, we uh, can end up shoving our foot in our mouth or doing something that uh, should not be done, and it just results in shame along the way. No, the Word of God is true. It also results in contention. Proverbs 13.10 says, Only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. Uh, You know, sometimes it's best just to act like we don't have all the answers. Sometimes it's best just to act like we don't have any answers. Sometimes it's best just to sit there and listen to somebody that does think they have all the answers. Sometimes it's best not to start a fight just because you think you know better than somebody else. Only by pride cometh contention. And definitely, again, the Word of God is very true. But also destruction. Proverbs sixteen eighteen says, Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. If you have a prideful spirit, the next step can be destruction. And sad to say, in my years of ministry, I've known many families, individuals also, that have been destroyed by pride just because they have to have their way, just because they can't, they can't, they, just, just, just because they are so prideful that they're not about to uh, let uh, anybody else tell them what to do or how to do it, not even God. And that's a very dangerous place to be. But pride can also bring a breaking, a breaking. Proverbs 29, 23 says, A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. Um, God has a way of breaking our pride, doesn't he? And sometimes he does it right in the middle of the time that we think we're doing okay. I mean, right when we need to be broke. Right when we need what God can give to us. One of, uh, Paul's, uh, one of the reasons behind Paul's hardships was to rid him of his pride. I mean, he's the one that said that there, unless I be exalted above all measure. But it also could be to drive us to God. Oh, a hardship. Verse number eight says, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. Uh, Paul didn't like the thorn in the flesh. I mean, who would? He wanted God to rid him of it. Went to him three different times and asked him, if you just take this away from me, I, I, I don't want to face this anymore, whatever he might have said. It, 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 it was a pain to Paul. So he brought it to God, and he brought it to God, and he brought it to God, hoping that God would deliver him. Now, the point of all that is that it caused him to go to God. <clears throat> Too often, when, when bad things happen in our life, the first thing that we want to do is run from God. No, we want to get alone by ourselves somewhere and just have a pity party. 
I, I mean, we want to complain and gripe. We want to put something on Facebook to make us feel better. We want to call everybody, text everybody we know, trying to look for answers along the way instead of just running to God. I, I'm telling you, when things happen in our life like that, it may just be to crowd us closer to Christ. I mean, just to get us to spend time with God. I mean, bad things that happen in our life can increase our prayer life, can't they? Absolutely so. No, it's a shame that we would spend more time with God when things are going bad than we do when things are going good. But many a time, God will allow things like that to happen just that we would, that we would, that, that we would go to Him, that we would spend more time with Him. I mean, we can, think of, we can think of David's example. Many of the Psalms were written while David was in exile from Saul. I mean, they were in a form of a prayer. They were seeking God's deliverance from the sword of his enemy. I mean, the thorn in David's flesh caused him to seek God on a greater level. I love reading through the Psalms. I mean, because, man, oh man, I mean... David was crying out to God. He he had a lot of problems going on in his life, but he didn't let that run. He didn't let that push him away from God. He let that cause him to go closer to God, to run, run and get closer with God. And then, of course, we got the example of the prodigal son. His pride took him to the hog pen, but we noticed that the hog pen drove him to his father. No, I mean, he, his pride had to take him all the way down to the nastiest place that a Jewish boy could ever be. But when he finally got to that place, it caused him to turn and look and, and, and run back to the father. Luke fifteen seventeen says, And when he came to himself, this prodigal, he said, How many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? That phrase, when he came to himself, is commonly applied to one who has been deranged. I mean, when they recover, we say that they came to themselves. In this place, it indicates the folly of the young man that was in kind of a, of a, of a derangement. I mean, and so it is with every person that's out of the will of God. I mean, to, to get out of the will of God, we were, we, we were just kind of, kind of deranged. I mean, we have no real understanding of, of what we're doing with ourselves, with others. They're just running blind. I mean, when we're not in the will of God, we, we're, when we're out of the will of God, we're just out there doing our own thing. The prodigal son, he came to a place where he admitted his predicament. He said, man, I have messed up here. Before recovery could ever take place, he had come to himself and he had to admit that he had this problem. I think the point in all this is that when we're blinded, the eyes of our soul... Uh, um, uh, 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 when the, when the, I'm sorry, come on brain, when the blinded eyes of the soul are opened, no man is content to abide in sin. Okay, it's just as clear as mud. <clears throat> I, I was talking this morning about the time that I got away from God. I got away from God. I thought I was pursuing, well, I was, I was pursuing what I wanted to do. It wasn't a good predicament. It was, it wasn't good at all. Uh, things got worse and worse and worse and worse, but I was, I was uh, determined to continue to go my way. Nothing was going to turn me around until it got to a place um, where God continued to, to deal with me and try to help me, and it got to a place that my blinded eyes were opened. God put me on my back where the only place I could look was up. Uh, uh, there was no more fun, there was no more partying, there was no more drugs, there was no more alcohol. God put me on my back where the only place I could look was up. And when he got me to that place, he opened my eyes. 
And when he opened my eyes, here was my thought that morning. I'll never forget it. What in the world am I doing here? I've got a wife at home. I've got two beautiful daughters at home. What in the world am I doing here? And I ran to God. That's where I ran, to God. I talked to God for quite a while because I knew I had to call my wife try to work things out there. It pushed me to God when my blinded eyes were open. When I realized that there was a God in heaven, and even though that I had, uh, even though that I had uh, uh, done what I had done, He was still there for me. I mean, He was there. All I had to do was respond to His love and care. All I had to do was respond to, to His, in, his, his, uh, his uh, uh, open arms. That was ready to receive me right back. I mean, I, I mean, when when my blinded eyes were open, it drove me back to God. When the prodigal's blinded eyes were open, it drove him back to God. We we think about Jonah. We started studying Jonah in Sunday school, and what a, what what a thing he went through. But what he went through in, in, in being swallowed by that well, what he went through, it was all meant to drive him back to God. God wasn't just punishing him. God was giving him an avenue to get back to God, get back in God's will, do what God would have him to do. Is a way of, it was God's way of getting his attention. The, whatever you might go through in, in the way that we're talking about here, whatever you might go through may be just to drive you back to God. And if that is the reason, then, then you should look at it as a blessing from God and not a hardship. <clears throat> I do know this. I do know this. Well, preacher, it's not like I've done anything wrong. Well, well, good. But sometimes God allows things to happen in our life. I mean, even bad things to happen in our life just so that we'll draw closer to Him. No, no, even when we're not doing anything. I mean, you think about it. Job wasn't doing anything wrong at all. I'm telling you, sometimes God just allows things to happen in our life. Sometimes we just get a little lack. Sometimes we get a little slack. Sometimes that, that, that you know, we, we have been, things have been going so good that we just forget all about God and we're not spending time with God and not close to God. And, and whatever God might allow to happen in our life, it's just that we would, it's just that we would run back to Him, that we would be closer to Him, that we would allow Him to have His way in our life. I wonder how many lives have gone on to be ruined completely and how many families have been destroyed because when hard times come, they, they ran from God instead of running to God. James chapter uh, 4, verse number 8 says, Draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. I'm so very thankful and I've always loved that verse. Draw nigh to God and He'll draw nigh to you. I don't know. I heard one old preacher say one time, if we'll take a step toward God, He'll take a step toward us and His steps are a lot bigger than ours are. Our God loves us and He just wants us to come to Him. 
I mean, it's a wonderful thing. Draw nigh to God. It has a, that's a simple way of escape for those that are experiencing hardships. Draw nigh to God. Draw nigh to God. Draw nigh to God. Preacher, I don't know what the answers are. Draw nigh to God. Draw nigh to God. Draw nigh to God. That's where the answers are. You know what? I think that we have a form of Christianity with no power uh, thereof sometimes because we say... Uh, I believe Jesus saved my soul. And yes, there is a God in heaven. And yes, he's all powerful. And yes, I come to praise him and worship him. And I want to hear from him along the way. And I want to do what, what he would have me to do. But then when we get in dark times, I mean, we're searching for answers everywhere but from God. I, I mean, I mean, what about, what, about just, uh, what about just refraining from all sorts of pleasure? And what about refraining from uh, uh, meals? And what about just giving that time completely to God? What about getting in your Bible more than you've ever been in your Bible before? Uh, what about praying until you really feel like you have prayed? I mean, that heaven is open up and God is really listening to you. I, I, I'm telling you, it's not about just going through the motions. It's about truly with our whole heart seeking God. God and wanting to be closer to God and wanting everything that God has to offer. There is a God in heaven. He is all-powerful. He can comfort us above what anybody can comfort us, but we have to be willing to draw nigh to God. It's it's not just going to the it's not just going to the Christian bookstore and find it, find the the latest book on on how we can defeat this or how we can be a better this or whatever. No, 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 no. I'm telling you, we get in that book and we talk to the very God of heaven and he can, he can help us more than anybody anywhere can help us. He can. I mean, uh, <laughs> there is a God in heaven. And he wants you to understand that drawing nigh to him is the very best place for you. It's the very best place for you. For you. Many have come to God during crisis times. And yet sad to say many don't. Or, or maybe God allowed hard times to come just to display his grace. He's so full of grace. No, no, no. Verse number nine. And he said unto me, <clears throat> my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me to display His grace. He said His grace is sufficient. That means it's enough. I mean, whatever the situation, God's grace is adequate. Uh, no doubt He is qualified. Excuse me, when grace is needed, grace is there. And if you have God's grace, you have enough. One of my big prayers for others when they're going through times of difficulty is that God would give them grace and more grace and then more grace. And many times I just pray, Lord, will you give them a double portion of your grace? I'm telling you, God's grace is sufficient. It's sufficient for salvation, isn't it? Somebody say amen. It's by grace that we are saved and it is sufficient for salvation. It's also sufficient for sanctification. For sanctification. No, no, that we would be set apart, that we would be a different people, that we'd be a separated people. He has you set apart, and he is trying to change you for your good and his glory. 
God changes us and molds us and makes us and tries to conform us into the image of His Son. But He does that for your good. And He does it for His glory. And what we have to decide is that we're going to quit running from God when He's trying to change us so that He can use us in a powerful way. Because He wants to use all of us. If you're a born-again child of God, He wants to help you. Look, no matter how great the storm, God's grace is sufficient. No matter how deep the valley, God's grace is sufficient. No matter how sharp the pain, His grace is sufficient. No matter high, how high the mountain, His grace is sufficient. Or how deep the valley, or no matter how sick a loved one might get, His grace is sufficient. Or no matter how large the debt may seem, His grace is sufficient. Or no matter how hard the battle you're facing in your life, God's grace is sufficient absolutely sufficient that thing that you're experiencing this very moment may be so that God can display his grace and power on your behalf or maybe you're going through what you're going through just to display God's strength his strength the last part of verse 9 says most most gladly therefore will I glory would will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then am I strong. <clears throat> I'm going to read that verse again, verse 10. I'm going to read a little quicker. Because uh, in our own little finite mind, it makes no sense. Oh, come on. He said, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. I take pleasure in reproaches. I, I take pleasure in necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. I take pleasure in those things. Well, how come? For when I'm weak, then am I strong. Because God's grace is sufficient. I will glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Maybe you go through what you go just to display God's strength. The Apostle Paul is my favorite person in the Bible besides Jesus Christ himself. And this is one of the reasons. It was more important to Paul to have God's power upon him than have physical comfort. He wanted God's power. He wanted God's presence. He wanted to honor and glorify God. It's, it's great because through Christ we can win the victory. Through the strength of Jesus Christ we can defeat the enemy. I, I mean, he is there for us. We do not have to be defeated by every little thing that comes along in our life or everything the devil might throw at us. Paul said, I take pleasure in my infirmities. I know victory will come with or without the thorn in the flesh. The, the removal of the thorn was not the way to victory. Oh, come on, get that. The removal of the thorn was not the way to victory. He asked three times that the thorn would be removed. It had not been removed. The removal of the thorn was not the way of victory. Come on. We get to praying. We get, we get uh, oh Lord, I don't know why you won't take this away. Why won't you take it away? Why won't we learn to glory in it? Okay, let me ask you a question. It's a fair question. Does God love you? Oh, absolutely, God loves you. Absolutely. More, more than we can even understand, God loves us. Does he just allow us to go through things in our life just because he's a mean, vindictive God? And boy, I'll just show him. I'll, I'll put some terrible thing in their life and they won't be able to handle it. Man, I'd just love to watch them squirm down there. That's not our God. 
No, he loves us. He loves us and he cares for us. I'm telling you. And we want, no, 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 many times we want the thorn removed. And we get to thinking because he won't remove the thorn that he's against us. We didn't remove the thorn for the Apostle Paul. But the Apostle Paul had the right attitude about it. And I'm telling you, the Christian life, a lot that has to do, a lot with the Christian life has to do with the attitude of which we face the things that come about in our life. The attitude of that. God is good all the time. People say amen to that. Amen, preacher. God is good all the time. Do we really believe that? I mean, even when the thorns are there, when the storms roll in, when things are going bad, do we really, really believe that? I'm telling you, God is good all the time. He is. And God is faithful. Absolutely so. And God's ways are higher than our ways. And we don't fully understand why God allows things to happen the way that He does. But if we are, if we are trying to follow Him, and if we are trusting Him, I promise you, as we handle things the way that He would have us to handle things, well, it's just a lot better. I mean, the Apostle Paul could rest in the fact that he knew that God was working in his life. He said, I take pleasure in infirmities. Allowing, God, allowing God's will to be done brings victory. Lord, whatever you're trying to accomplish in my life, I just want to be pliable. Whatever you want to do with me, Lord, I, I just need direction. I'll go. Uh, Father, whatever, whatever you're trying to do, whatever you want in my life, whatever you want out of my life, I, I just want your will done in all of this. I take pleasure in infirmities. Well, preacher, do you always like that? No. I, I don't. I must admit, I don't always like it. But I do have to say that when I uh, am wise enough to handle things the way that God would have me to handle things, it always turns out well and right. And then there are just times that uh, things go wrong, seemingly go wrong, I think to direct us to God's will, to God's will. Again, verse 10, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then am I strong. You notice those words there, I'm sure, for Christ's sake. So I guess a question would be, are we willing to do what is necessary for Christ's sake? Are you willing to do anything and all things for Christ's sake? Uh I've been to Africa, and we had a tremendous trip when we went to Africa, but it's not like, you know, man, I wish I could move there. Okay, all of y'all are more spiritual than I am. I love the way Brother Dimmer said, I'm going to be home in my bed in Africa. It's just because one day he said, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll be wherever you want me to do. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Come on. No, no, no. I mean, it was just a surrender one day of him. I'm not trying to throw flowers to him. Or, or I'm telling you, one day he just said, Lord, whatever you want me to do. Wherever you want me to go. However you want me to be. For Christ's sake. For Christ's sake, I'm going to do that. Come on. He didn't go around and raise all the money for all those scriptures and do what he's done to get the scriptures over there for his sake. He did it for Christ's sake. 
Are we willing to do whatever that we need to do for Christ's sake? Paul is teaching us that the infirmities, the reproaches, the necessities, the persecutions, the distresses are endured for the sake of Christ. I, I, I'm telling you, I, I'm telling you, when we suffer persecution the way that uh, the way that God would have us to suffer pers- persecution, and it brings glory to God. When we know that we're doing right, and we know that we're doing what God would have us to do, and we suffer that way, and we handle it correctly, it brings glory to God. We, we, we just have to learn to accept everything that comes our way as the will of God for that present moment. If, if it is a negative, then it is present to get you back to the will of God. And if it's a positive, then it's present to get you to give Him the glory. When that attitude prevails in your life, God will be the victor. When it doesn't prevail in your life, you're going to be the victim. I'm just a victim. None of us that are children of God have to be a victim. What, what, is the, what is His will for your life at this very moment? I, I know this, if you're not saved, then it's His will that you be saved. Absolutely so. If you're not serving Him in some way, shape, or form, it is His will that you begin to serve Him. Because He calls us all to serve Him. All of us. What is it that you need to do today to be in the will of God? Maybe it's just a change of spirit. Maybe it's a change of direction. When someone's out of the will of God, then the pressure is going to continue. And it's going to intensify until that person yields to God or until they decide to run as far away from God as they can, which is ridiculous because, well, it's just ridiculous. And it happens way too often. I talked to someone very recently. That ran from God when problems started instead of running to God. It affected their whole family. The whole family. Everyone. Running from God, it never brings about anything that's good. Let me, let me, let me close with the question, really, that I began with. Why is this happening to me? Why is it this way? If that is your question, then what's your answer? I think the Apostle Paul gave some good answers for that. But what's your answer? God never allows things, does things or allows things in our life to hurt us. Everything He does or allows in our life is to help us.
where are you at? Even tonight, where are you at? Let's stand. Would you stand with me? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the trials. You know my heart. I don't always like the trials. I don't like the pressure. I don't like the persecution. I I don't necessarily enjoy those things. But Father, I want to handle it just the way that you would have me to do. I want to maintain a right spirit and right attitude. I I, want to bring honor and glory to you because of... uh, how you work in my life as I yield. And I know that is the prayer of folks standing in this auditorium. And I certainly don't want to act like I know what is going on in everyone's life at this point. I know that uh, it's been a rough year. And uh, there's been some heartaches and heartbreaks. Lord, I don't know exactly what needs to happen even at this point but we just open up the altars with great hopes that folks will come and yield uh, to you help us open up our blinded eyes to see just where we are if we are going the wrong direction that we could see what we need that we might draw nigh to you Father, I I pray that you'd take this message, this portion of Scripture, and use it in our life as only you can. We ask those things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Piano's going to play. Some have already come to the altar. You need to come. Why don't you step out even now? Just Just let God have his way, whatever's going on. What is it in your life that, uh, that God's trying to do? Where's he trying to get you? How's he trying to shape you? With what God is doing in your life, is it bringing, your response to it, bringing honor and glory to God? Are you really relying on him the way that you can and should be? I'm telling you, we'll never go wrong. We'll never go wrong. Just allowing God to have his way. He loves us. He's here for us.